Today's gospel is from Luke chapter 12. He said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? If then you are not able to do so small a thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying. For it is the nations of the world that strive after all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, strive for his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Gospel of our Lord. Thank you, Michelle and Ruthie. Here is an excerpt from an article in the New Yorker magazine by Dr. Atul Gawande. He is the author of a book you may have read called Being Mortal. Sarah was pregnant with her first child when her doctors learned that she was going to die. It started with a cough and a pain in her back. Then a chest x-ray showed that her left lung had collapsed and her chest was filled with fluid. A sample of the fluid was drawn off with a long needle and sent for testing. Instead of an infection, as everyone had expected, it was lung cancer, and it had already spread to the lining of her chest. Her pregnancy was 30 weeks, 39 weeks along, and the obstetrician who had ordered the test broke the news to her as she sat with her husband and her parents. The obstetrician didn't get into the prognosis. She would bring in an oncologist for that. But Sarah was stunned. Her mother, who had lost her best friend to lung cancer, began crying. The doctors wanted to start treatment right away, and that meant inducing labor to get the baby out. For the moment, though, Sarah and her husband, Rich, sat by themselves in a quiet terrace off the labor floor. It was a warm Monday in June 2007. She took Rich's hands and they tried to absorb what they had heard. Sarah was 34. She had never smoked or lived with anyone who had. She exercised, she ate well, 
The diagnosis was bewildering. End of excerpt. Over the last few weeks, a group of, of upper middle class couples in St. Paul met as part of a class to learn how to be financially independent. Each household was asked to write down anonymously the amount of their outstanding non-mortgaged debt. The total non-mortgage debt for these 13 couples totaled over a million dollars. Randy and I met with a financial advisor to talk about long-term care insurance. It is estimated that seven in 10 of us will require long-term care in our lifetime. With today's average monthly cost of $7,200 for a care facility, and an average stay being 24 months, each of us will need $173,000 to begin to pay for this care. Jesus says, don't worry about your life. It seems impossible, doesn't it, not to worry? Even as I list these examples, in our world, our minds fill with more things that spike our anxiety. These words of Jesus we hear today come immediately after a story of a farmer who had a bumper crop so much that the question that overtook his life was how he was going to build bigger barns to store all this stuff. The deadly sin of this man thinking that he, by his own means, could secure his life. Jesus called him a fool. Our world will always point us to scarcity. The world demands that our palms should sweat as we consider all the what-if scenarios that can happen in this life. The world whispers in our ears, is this all you have? It won't be enough. You are not enough. We panic then, and we live in this flurry of scarcity. We get entrapped in catch-up mode to make sure we will make it. And we live with our heads down from that point on, trying to figure out how to secure our future on our own. I think even now, as we absorb this reading, that we are anxious trying not to be anxious. And when we do that, we miss the good news. Jesus taps us on the shoulder with these words. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possession and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When have you ever heard, it's my good pleasure to give you? You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do thorough research on it or pay monthly to receive it. It's simply given to you because you are you. And what is this gift that we're receiving? 
the kingdom. And so we need to figure out what the kingdom is that is being so generously given to us. Simply put, the kingdom is the proclamation that you do not need to be self-sufficient. You do not have to live as though there is no God. God comes to you. God is here. Jesus enters this tightly bound, Xantex-filled world to tell us and to show us that God loves us, forgives us, and promises his providence in all things, starting with little black birds and little orange flowers. In Lucan style, the kingdom is found in the other. The kingdom is revealed when we give instead of grasp, when we open our hand instead of clenching to what we're holding on to. Then we are open to receive this kingdom. When we come close to another to give instead of get, that is where we will find treasure and heart. And all of these things, these kingdom things, we could never have made or experienced on our own doing. The kingdom is found when we reach out to secure another's life. Now, Sarah was not miraculously healed of her terminal cancer. In fact, her story is the basis of the author's query. What should medicine do when it can't save your life? Sarah's extensive treatments made her death even more unbearable. We can try so hard to be self-sufficient that we even deny death. Yet, there is a detail of this overwhelmingly sad story that I cannot stop thinking about. Just after her startling diagnosis, Sarah and her husband sitting on the terrace off the hospital floor on that warm Monday in June realize for the moment, though, that they have a baby to think about. So Sarah and I looked at each other, Rich recalled, and we said, we don't have cancer on Tuesday. It's a cancer-free day. We're having a baby, and it's exciting, and we're going to enjoy our baby. And so on Tuesday at 8.55 p.m., Vivian, 7 pounds, 9 ounces, was born. And she had wavy brown hair like her mom, and she was perfectly healthy. It's God's good pleasure to give you his kingdom You do not have to do this life on your own. In this season of Lent, may Jesus' words come to us, spill over us. May we sleep in them, play in them, be clothed in them, and eat them. Let go of the grasp around your life. Open your hand to give yourself away for the sake of another and receive a little piece of bread and a taste of wine. It's kingdom food. And when we worry about even being able to let go, don't worry. God is here. Let it be so. Amen.